Yeah, we got some fun stuff here. I wanted to I wanted to talk more about psilocybin and psychedelics a little bit later. Now that I have more experience with it, so I want to get into that a little bit more. But I got some funny stories. I got some house party stories that are pretty funny, and I've got a follow-up to you. I don't know if I discussed this on the episode. We may have spoken about it off camera or off recording, where I was walking by in my old neighborhood. I was walking my dogs past this guy's house, and there's a trail that runs behind people's backyards. And this guy was watching a football game. All of his windows were wide open. This is several months ago. And I don't, I don't know what the context was or what he was screaming at. But at, at, as I walked by, looking at the TV, he screamed the N-word, obviously a white guy, screamed the N-word with total vitriol as if he uses this word every day, screamed it at the top of his lungs, giving no fucks that his windows are wide open and probably everybody in that neighborhood could hear it. Now, my take on this is this. This guy has a right to say whatever he wants in his own home. I don't care. But I have a right to think he's that fucking racist asshole when I see him. Okay? So if I ever run into this motherfucker and he tries to be pleasant, oh, hey, how you doing? I'm like, fuck you, dude. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Not going to even get into it. Now, here's, the, here's where the story gets funny. is I was walking past his house maybe two weeks ago with two people I know from the dog park. So we were just walking together. And as we're walking along, one person goes, oh, yeah, that guy over there, his dog is not friendly at all. I was like, well, that's the least of his problems. The guy's a fucking racist asshole. They're like, oh, really? These are two white people I'm talking to, by the way. They go, really? What happened? I go, well, I was walking by his house one time and I heard him screaming the N-word at the top of his lungs. Now, right after I said that, the lady, her first response was, oh, what what was the context? What was he watching? As if there's some acceptable context where it's okay for him to be screaming that. And her husband... (laughs) Fortunately, immediately said, it doesn't matter what he was watching. I was like, thank you. You This is is what white people fucking do is my point is I talk about a racist white asshole. And what is the first thing a white person does? They try to be understanding and think that there's some acceptable context. There's no acceptable context for a white person to be using that word. Zero. It's a hateful word. It's hurtful to people. You know, it's not if you're a good person, you don't use that word. I don't care if you're in the privacy of your home. I'm in the privacy of my own home. There, there's no words I use in the privacy of my home that I don't use in public. Right. It's right up there with, you know, someone's sexually assaulted. And first thing say, well, what was she wearing? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. why does it fucking matter what she's wearing? Well, I mean, you know, no, I don't. I know what. <laughs> there's nothing to say. You know, I, I have a, I have a friend who was who was raped as an adult, and she was she told me about it. She confided to me about it, and she said that she had she carries some guilt because she feels like it was her fault because she's a flirtatious girl. She likes to have fun, and just when she's talking, I cut her off and I go, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. It's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with your personality. There's nothing wrong with being a fun girl and flirtatious. That does not give someone the right to sexually assault you. It does not. Look here. If the advances are un- unwarranted, unwanted, that's it. If you said no, mm-hmm. it's a wrap. I don't care how exactly. much you're flirty. Exactly. Damn, Absolutely. You can have a boob. Absolutely. You can have a boob out, and you can be tickling your nipples, and then it's like I don't care if a dude touches you. <laughs> and you, and you if a dude touches you, and and you say no, you don't touch, dude. It, it, no right. means no. Right. You, now just be pissed off and walk away. Okay, what a tease and walk away. But you, right. you don't sit there and take it upon yourself to still go ahead and look again when they say no, it's a wrap. That's it. Exactly. There's no questions asked. There's no exception. There's no loophole. It's, you know, okay, move on. 
And why, why would you want to keep going when she says, no, I don't want to be with a woman who doesn't want to be with me. It's that simple. <laughs> right. You know, so if a woman's like, look, I don't find you attractive. I'm not going to be like, well, come on. You know, you don't, you know, try to sell myself. Why are you being like, so hard to get? That's, yeah, that's cool. Like, no, it's like, look, no, it's like, look, no I'm not, being... I don't, I don't have the illusion that I'm for everybody. You know, so if a woman right. doesn't find me attractive, that's fine. There's plenty of women I don't find attractive. So if, <laughs> if they hit on me and I say, look, I'm not interested and they got all butt hurt, I would be like, back the fuck off. Man. Yeah, <laughs> dudes are like, why are you being so hard to get? Like, no, dude, you're just hard to want. If you go, go away. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> so you're making it so hard to want it's the real problem. <laughs> you know guys guys get so much bad advice on how to talk to women it's like hey man play it cool don't show too much interest i was like you guys are so stupid you really think any woman is gonna find you showing too much interest unattractive in some way you know well, unless you you're thirsty woman feels you're, special, this is too much be- interest then you, you know you, you you're being desperate now there's, there's a fine line between both both ends of that right there well look i'm not i'm not saying show up at her house with an orchestra in the middle of the night singing, you know? okay <laughs> well you got you got the I'm radio above your head and you don't you got the radio above your head and you the whole say anything <laughs> scene from the i'm not movie. saying take a whole florist of flowers to her job unannounced you know i'm not saying dude you know obviously you can be too eager and too enthusiastic but in terms of you know if i like a woman i'm gonna call her back the next day i'm not gonna be like well let me wait i gotta wait three days yeah i'm gonna be like hey let's hang out i'm gonna be like let's hang out again i'll call you tomorrow let's set something up you know let's go yeah this whole 72 hour rule don't call too soon (laughs) you'll look desperate like you know what within those 72 hours other dudes have moved in that time space and that gap okay well it's like oh if you compliment someone too much you're a chump it's like well first of all compliments are the easiest thing to give anybody. You should give compliments to everybody every day. It's, 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 you can make someone's day. It doesn't cost you a fucking thing. You know, I, I tell people, I was talking to my friend at the gym after he did ridiculously heavy hack squats. And I was like, man, you're strong as fuck, man. That was impressive. And I could just see his whole face light up, you know, from that. Right. Everybody likes compliments. Everyone, everyone likes to be made to feel good. So if you're interested in a woman, <laughs> believe me, giving her a compliment is not going to turn her off in any way. But don't go for the easy stuff like, oh, my God, you look really cute. I mean, <laughs> you know, oh, my God, you're so pretty. Guess what? I bet you about 5,000 people said at the same time. I was like, man, you were, you were, when you were bending over there, your butt crack looked incredible. I said, stuck out of your pants. I like to take it to interesting places. <laughs> <laughs> So your butt crack is the second. Well, like, butt girl, crack I, I got to give, give you props. You, <laughs> you bent over and I saw your butt crack and I didn't see the whole tail thing. That's hot. <laughs> it's good it's good to know that you're not an alien okay good good stuff <laughs> i mean compliment as in that you showed yeah you actually listened to her when if you really want and if, you, if somebody that you're trying to like i don't know get her attention otherwise and you know you're trying to step to her find something else man compliment something else don't go for the right. obvious like look show something interesting like oh man those are some nice shoes like oh pinky yeah. green what do you, like if she's black or you know <laughs> Pink and green. Oh, are you an AKA? And it's like, what? Oh, wow. How'd you notice? You know, little things like that, you know? Well, if, when, I, when I approach black women, it's always, I, I like to, I, I like to say stuff such as, Hey, you know, I want to, I want to take you down tonight and show you what, so- <laughs> give you a Shaka Zulu experience. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't do that. I'm just, no, yo, to my, have anyone seen that movie? We know that it didn't end well for Shaka Zulu. Yeah, it didn't end well for Shaka Zulu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyone who knows Shaka Zulu knows that that's not a good thing to say. You know? 
let's just say he got the Julius Caesar treatment. Okay. <laughs> but that's a, that's as bad as saying that we're going to do role playing like roots, you know, <laughs> that's, that's about, that's about as, it's going to go over about as well as that would. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. <laughs> The funny thing is why white guys try to talk to black women and they try to black it up a little bit. Oh, I, mean, I know they try to relate. Don't, don't do that shit, man. <laughs> like, no, be you. Like, What's up, girl? It's like, why are you talking like that? What's <laughs> up, little mama? Like, <laughs> no. Like, where are you going? Well, where are you going looking so fine? What trailer are you from? Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? When, when I was growing up, I grew up in DC, as you know, and it was extremely racially divided when I was growing up. So what's interesting about me is I've experienced a ton of racism from white people, but I've also experienced a ton of racism from black people. I used to go to concerts at the 930 Club in these sketchy areas, parts of town, and yeah. people would want to beat your ass. I mean, they would look at you just like, give me a reason so I can come beat your ass. And sometimes they didn't even need a reason. So there was, there was a lot of hostility that I experienced on both sides. And the, the irony is I would go down there and they'd be like, get the fuck out of our town, white boy. That's what the black guys would say. And then I would go back to Virginia where I grew up and they'd be like, get the fuck out of town, you N-bomb. I was like, well, what the fuck, man? <laughs> so, <laughs> so after that, you just went to ball. You went to Maryland. You said, fuck it. You know, <laughs> I can't be in the D. I can't be in the V. Might as well go to the M, you know, <laughs> just going out of Maryland. It's like, no, but it's almost like a, because I experienced so much hostility from both sides, it, it, it got to the point where I, it, it didn't. It didn't really phase me. I'm not going to say it's not hurtful because it is, but it didn't phase me in terms of like intimidating me. You know, I wasn't more like some some people are are extremely intimidated of black men. They see a black man, they cross the street, all that shit. Well, that's you know, what that's happens when you watch the wrong news channel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they paint this picture like this is this is what they're like. And yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, six foot four black man. You know, he's going to be like this, right? Or, you know, sometimes, sometimes people see a black man and they automatically think he can fight and throw down. And that's not always. <laughs> hey, man, let me tell you something. OK, a lot of these right. black guys I know we, couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. Not all of us can fight. Not all of us can dance. Not all of us can play basketball. OK. <laughs> <laughs> and me, I'm one out of those three that I can't do. OK, it's basketball. <laughs> hey, two for three is pretty good. Yeah, yeah 66 percent, you know, otherwise you got a 66 percent <laughs> chance of fucking around and finding out. OK, <laughs> you know, the, the, the reality is the two most important ones, especially the most important one you can do. That's what right. <laughs> you should be able to fight. And you don't have to be able to dance, but if you can, that's a good thing. Hey, women, man. It tells a woman a lot of things about you, okay? And women know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, damn, he moves, look, look how well he's moving those hips. Can't wait to move those yeah. hips in between my legs later. <laughs> <laughs> you, think, you think my grinding is good on the floor, girl? You, you, <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> I said my I said my grind sitting on espresso. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna blend you up like my Vitamix here later. <laughs> like, ooh, you talking about that like, blender? That, you talking about that like, blender at Costco? Ooh, like Nutribullet ain't got nothing on my dick. Exactly. To my to my. You heard about the ninja, right? <laughs> That's not the only thing that can disappear. <laughs> <laughs> nothing says ninja than having a sword that disappears girl <laughs> no but you know what's interesting for me is i feel like i have a very unique minority experience because i've experienced racism from white people i've experienced racism from black people i've even experienced racism from fucking indian people and i'm half indian so i've, I've experienced racism from just about everybody for whatever they perceive me as 
You say you experience racism. I say I experience stupidity. That's how I see it. I'm like, really? Dumbass? Because it's usually coming from a dumbass who has no reason to be racist. Well, racist <laughs> people are always stupid. That's that's yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, Does really? Have you seen you? <laughs> you say things, I'm like, have you seen you? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're you're saying that word with three teeth in your mouth. Like seriously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're supposed to be the superior race. Give me a fucking break, man. So just stop, man. Just stop. <clears throat> yeah, there's no such thing as a cool racist person, all right? <laughs> it's like saying some child molesters are good people. No. Nope, well, well, or <laughs> oh God, don't even get get me started with that. You know. What <laughs> it's what what is that crap they try to say even with the whole adding them to the the alphabet i can't there's so many letters at this point now but uh, i'm trying to add them at the end and putting you know lgbtqia plus then putting p i'm like up oh, up oh, up oh, and that's where we stop okay he should have ended it should have ended at the plus the, the p should have been just for the plus and nothing else somebody and you can't sit there and god what do they even call those idiots oh man they call those pedos something they try to really soften it up because basically trying to say because you know because they, they think that and they're not necessarily acting on it. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter right right <clears throat> so like don't there's no leeway there's no inch to give there there's not no wiggle room at all no it's unacceptable because you might as well throw it throw the letter r in there too for you know the rapist too just give everybody a shot yeah. you know well, one thing I've found about just a little tangent here about psilocybin, the psychedelic I've been taking for a couple of weeks now, is I find that it, it actually chills you out in the sense that things that you used to get really irritated about, you don't really get irritated about anymore because you realize it's not that big of a deal. And I'm not saying stuff like stuff like what we're talking about. I'm not saying that's not a big deal. I'm just talking about other things. But what uh, what I what I have found the most interesting about this compound is that it makes you, at least me, way more open to talking to people. I'm pretty, I have a strong extroverted side because I needed to develop that to be successful in the business. But jet naturally, I'm more of an introvert. I'm very, I'm very comfortable being alone. I like being alone. I like working out alone. I like working alone. I like being by myself. I don't have any problem with that. People can be a real drain to me. I find that they're just, they can just be an energy drain. But since I've been on psilocybin, it's like you've developed a little bit. I, I, I have a lot more compassion for people. And what I mean by that is, Sometimes I, I realize how lonely people are and just they just need to talk to someone. And me giving them five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, that can actually make someone's day. It can actually make someone feel a lot better. Now, I don't let people take advantage of me and tell me their whole life story for three hours, but I can give people a few minutes. I can answer their questions about something I'm knowledgeable about. Not a big deal. So I was at this house party that one of my neighbors was throwing, not in this subdivision, but in another part of Seven Hills. So I was just talking to a bunch of people I'd never met before, really interesting people. And I was talking to this one guy who's a who's a trainer. And we were just talking about the business. And he was asking me a bunch of questions because he's getting into it. He's an older guy, but he's getting into it. And he realized how knowledgeable I am with my background. So we were talking about that. And then we got on the topic of psychedelics because another guy there was talking about his experience with psychedelics. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I use that too. That stuff's amazing. And we were sharing our experiences and then the other guy, the trainer guy goes, well, you know, why do you take that? You know, like that kind of accusing tone. Yeah. Like, you know, why do you take that? I was like, well, first of all, I deal with lifelong depression. And I read a lot of studies talking about how this helps with that. 
and I, in my experience, it helps dramatically. That I go, nothing has been more effective for my lifelong depression than this. As crazy as that is to say, I got more out of a week of psilocybin than all the years of therapy and everything else I've done. And then, and then he again accusatory tone. Why are you depressed? You're like that kind of oh, thing. Oh God! And I go, I go. Okay, you can ask me that question. I'm going to fucking answer. It. Respond back. I go. I go. I go. I go. I have lifelong depression because I was forced to be in a sexual relationship with a grown woman when I was five years old. I was sexually assaulted multiple times for months. You know, I just said it that matter of factly, and then the guy's like, "Oh, you know." I was like, "So that causes an indelible effect for those of us that have experienced that." Where you're fucked up. You experience that kind of stress at such a young age. It fucks you up for life, period. Everyone who's been through it can tell you that. <clears throat> so I, I don't like that tone of why are you depressed as if there's some circumstance I could change. Like, oh, you, all you got to do is change this. It's well, like, you know, the, well, I mean, there's still people out there that still I, think that. I'm already, I'm already, it's like all the things that you guys get depressed about, you don't have enough money. I got plenty of money. You don't, you don't have a good relationship. I've got a great relationship. You don't live in a nice, safe area. I live in a safe. Circumstantially, my life is great. That has nothing to do with biochemical depression, though. Nothing. I always say, I mean, just me, I like to observe things, and I'm a curious person. So I'm always wondering, because, again, I'm such a fan, uh, you know, and a lifelong student of psychology. You know, we've talked about this a million times. Like, you know, now trust me, even when we talk about the whole pedal thing or whatever, I'm not going to excuse it. And, you know, I still think that, you know, certain actions should be taken, <laughs> extreme actions, <laughs> you know, you know, but at the same time, there's always this also this, this part of me that always wonders what's the backstory? What's the right. what's the origin story of this villain? OK, <laughs> you know, at this point, then you always got to ask, like, are, you know, are they a villain at this point? You know, so, again, I'm not excusing it, but I know there's, there's always a backstory. It didn't just come out. Of, it just doesn't just pop out of thin air. You know, oh, you're right. You're absolutely somebody right. Just, just wake up like, you know what? I'm going to start assaulting little children. Well, the, the you know why? Because it's Thursday. No, you know, there's, there's always this. Oh, you're right. Like I say, it right. never excuses. It never excuses them doing it. But I'm always curious about the backstory, how they got there. Even when people go through things such as, you know, people who, who identify as a different gender or they, or they feel like they're not comfortable in their own body, you know, like for a long time, I always, you know, I, I subscribe to the, the, when people say I put like this, when you had the old school gay friends who would tell you like I was born this way, you know, for a long time, I I subscribed to it. I'm like, okay, I believe that, you know, I can see that happen. I can see, cause I'm just thinking like, again, I'm thinking about chemicals and, and, and what went on in the womb, what what went on with the the mother while she was carrying. I can see that it's probably in some cases it may be like that, but as time and time goes on now, things are going on. And when you really start, peeling the layers back of the individual that are talking is like, there's always some traumatic event that happened in their life. You know, whether yeah. it's, you know, a lot of times they don't even remember. Sometimes it happened when they were babies, you know, and yeah. they just kept having to find out from a family member later on down the line, these things happen to them, you know, and then it's just kind of like, it all starts making sense. So there's always some kind of traumatic event that probably set things in motion to, you yeah. know, for this, and this all becomes a part of them protecting themselves. You know, right. and so it just it just manifests in different ways like that. So, you know, I, I remember for years, especially like during the 90s, when I first started going to college and we were getting into psychology and we were talking about things like in different disorders. And when anytime the topic of DID was um, dissociative, you know, identif- identity disorder would come wow. up for a long time. No one believed it was real. People thought people just made that up, that it wasn't actually on the spectrum of, of psychological disorders. 
you know, so it, so it wasn't even looked upon seriously or whatever, where people just felt like they were, they took on all these different identities and it wasn't necessarily like schizophrenia or anything like that, but they took on these different identities and not knowing that when you look deeply, there was this traumatic event. So they had to become this other person to protect them. So when no, especially when they feel like no one's there to protect them in, you know, outside of the, themselves. So let's just say, for instance, you know, they're sincere and something traumatic happened to sincere. Well, they, all of a sudden, in order for me to endure that trauma that was going on while I'm being assaulted or whatever else, or even just physically beaten, you know, by another adult, a parent or something like that, then, then I create, there's Titus, you know, who's basically like this alter ego of sincere, who was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to mentally that Titus would stand and take the beating for sincere. So sincere would have to feel the pain, you know, and, and Titus would take the beatings and then Titus would be the one that would be angry and plotting, you know, I'm going to do this, this, and other. I'll make sure, you know, sincere, you'll never be hurt. And so therefore when I'm out in the world as sincere, I'm going on about my life. Like I've never experienced any of this stuff. And so the fact, even when you tell me, you know, you're my brother, whatever, like, man, you know, dad used to beat the shit out of us. I'm like, no, he didn't, you know, because there's a part of my brain that blocked that. But there's a part of me that there's Titus who remembers it all, who took it all just to protect sincere, you know? And so for the longest people didn't believe that this was a, a, a disorder at all. They thought there was just people just make this up for attention or it's kind of the imaginary friend syndrome type thing. You know, so, so that's one thing about psychology is like, it's so ever evolving. And even 30 years later, being removed from university, whatever, it still fascinates me. I still, when I go to the bookstore or whatever, I still pick up a psychology today and still read, I'll sit in the store and read it. You know, it's like, uh, and I'll still go to the website and just look at different articles and things like that. Because again, one thing about it, one thing we have not mastered a true understanding of, of all the technology and advances that we have in this world, we still have not yeah. truly understood the human brain, you know, and, and it's ever evolving because things around us are ever evolving. It's just, well, that, that's why, that's why psilocybin is so important because nothing helps you understand your brain better than that. Nothing. It just puts you right into that introspective state where you can see things from a third party perspective, going back to what you were talking about with why people assault other people. I, 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 I had quite a bit of, epiphany introspection about the woman who assaulted me you know, i've always looked at her as the enemy and for obvious reasons but i i can never see what happened i can never think about what happened to her to make her be right, that way. right right and after being on psilocybin i was able to mm-hmm. realize that she obviously went through some serious assault it's common in asia it's common everywhere so yeah. she was probably assaulted many times where she yeah. thought she wanted to get it back i'm not saying what she did is right or, or that she thought that what she was doing was normal Right. You know, so because right. especially if it's someone very close to you, like if it's if a parent that's assaulting you and then your child and they're telling you that it's okay because this is this is daddy or mommy showing how much they love you and, and right, you're right. young and you think this is what love is. I mean, even even beyond that, let's just take it let's take it away from just even sexual assault. Let's just take it to the point where someone belittles you. Yeah. You know, but they telling you they're doing this because they want the best from you and they want to push <laughs> you to be better yeah. and make sure that you don't get lazy and blah, blah. But they say things like, don't be stupid, you know, or you make a 98 on a test, you know, which, you know, I, I know a lot of different cultures, especially Asian culture, African culture and oh, all yeah. this, you know, especially by the time they get to America, because their parents have seen this vision of America that truly doesn't really exist. You know, oh. it's like, you know, once you get to America, you, get, you can't go, but you can't be lazy. You know, like just to be there's an opportunity and it's so much better, which a lot of times is a lot better than where they are. 
you know, where they're coming from. But at the same time, look, man, you can make it anywhere. You know, yeah, just yeah. so so when they come in and they make a ninety eight on a test, and you're like, well, why can't you get the other two points? You <laughs> stop being lazy, you know, yeah. and little yeah. things like that. Whereas to the typical American, maybe we hear that and we're like, okay, you know, we're just like, whatever, Dad. You know, I made I made an A. You know, whereas to another culture, it's traumatizing, and they'll never feel good enough. And so right. no matter what they do, they can be the if even if they become a doctor, which is like depending on what culture we're talking about, that's what you're expected to do. Why are you just a general practitioner? Why are you not an anesthesiologist? They're the ones right. that make the most money. They're more important. Why are you not an oncologist? You know, getting you should be trying to find ways to get rid of cancer, not just giving holding people's ball sacks and having them cough just to see if they're physically okay for the every year or whatever. It's like, come on, that's low level, you know. Well, I mean, I, I got I got a lot of bad advice from my parents on how to be happy in life because neither one of them were happy. So they're <laughs> yeah, not, I'm just, yeah, it's like I was always they're not in the they're not in anyone position. gives me advice, dude. Look, look, it's ever since I've been a kid, and I, I give this to my parents for teaching me this because they were they were whew, man they were big on people not telling them what to do because they always say like oh my, my mom would always say her first thing, I'm like, who the hell are you to tell me that? I would hear that so much, you know? And so then yeah. as I got older, it started making sense. So now, I mean, I got to the point where anyone that would give advice, the first thing I tell myself, check the source. <laughs> so when someone's giving monetary advice, I, I look at their finances. I look at how they're living, right. you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I always notice that most people who are doing well financially, they're not dolling out advice. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, they're, they're actually... Uh-huh. They're going to let you figure it out yourself, you know, for the most part. And, and they know? don't need to give advice. You can just no. look at their example. You know? Yeah. You don't, like, you don't need to have it spoon fed to you. You can just look at what they're doing. Yeah. I, I can look at someone's actions and I can be like, you know, some, someone, hey, sincere, I want to talk to you about crypto. And I'm looking at them and, and I was like, well, okay. You know, what you trying to do is like, look, man, I'm trying to invest and blah, blah, blah. But I'm seeing that all they do is they're, they're at the bar every week. They're, they're, they got on, <laughs> and they're stepping to me and they got on a Gucci t-shirt. They got on a, a Louis belt and, you know, and it, it's the middle of the freaking summer, you know, they're wearing on, they got a Burberry scarf around their neck in the summertime, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking like, yeah, you're not trying to invest, bro. You know, don't waste my time, <laughs> you know? So and the thing is, and here's the, I get something I, I got to say this, that scarf look is so fucking stupid. Okay. <laughs> you can dress any way you want. I don't, if you like the way it looks fine, go do it. But I've never seen a guy walking around with a fucking scarf on and a t-shirt, and it actually looks good. Oh no, a scarf and a t-shirt? No, you look just like you look confused about the weather. It's like you look like you live in Texas because the weather can change that much. So it's just like you get the scarf just in case because it might be. Uh, winter up, I, first of all, I have a super high tolerance to cold weather. I, grew, I was born in DC, grew up out there, so I've never needed a scarf in my fucking life, no matter what the weather is. Right? I've gone snowboarding in a snowstorm before. I didn't have a scarf around my fucking neck. <laughs> Well, look, I'll rock a scarf in the wintertime with a nice coat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it won't be a bur- it won't be a Berber. It'll be a pashmina. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. <laughs> but I'm not rocking a scarf in the summertime, especially in Texas. I look stupid. It's about as dumb well, as dudes who walk around with a hoodie on in Texas. Summer. Let me tell you something. If I see you with a hoodie on in Texas in July, I already know you're a criminal. <laughs> you're up to something, bro. <laughs> like, don't even don't even trip. It's not anemic. At the gym, that that show up. It's ninety degrees outside right now. They show up with oh, the a hoodie wolf, and shorts, <laughs> like the one you have in your profile pic right now. They, they oh, show. Oh yeah, with a scully. <laughs> yeah, they show up at that. I go, dude. It's a hundred degrees in here. Nah, man, that ain't happening. <laughs> like the gym is not where you go to look cool. Okay, I'm not saying that you shouldn't put it together because I like dressing a certain way too. But I, I'm most important. I need to be comfortable because I'm going to be working hard. I'm not going in there man, and I'm sweating and I haven't even started yet. I'm not trying to have a knits 
like scully on my freaking head in the gym when I'm sweating <laughs> and my forehead is itching. I'm scratching my forehead all the damn time. And <laughs> I can't focus on my lift or my squat or whatever because sweat's rolling down my eyes. And like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I said, so yeah, dude. But um yeah, I lost my point where I was going with um <laughs> with the the trauma situation. I don't know how we ended up I don't know how we ended up on scarves. <laughs> Maybe that was traumatic, you know. <laughs> oh, it's people asking for advice and then you look at them, you just know like, okay, I'm about to waste my damn time. That's right. what it's coming down to, man. So but and even then it's like I'll make it very simple. When they, they want to know somebody investment, you know what I do? I tell them go to investopedia.com. I say every question you have about investing and whatever is right there. They, that's it. One link. And then guess what? It's a one-stop shop. It's kind of like Wikipedia. You know, you think you need to like research and look up or whatever, just go to Wikipedia. Even though now they're changing stuff and things are not necessarily accurate, <laughs> but still, at least it gives you a start. But I'm not going to waste my time at this point, especially I can tell someone is they're basically an asshole. You know, I know you're asking and you're probably not going to do anything about it. Now, I'm more impressed with like, hey, man, look, I've been trying to like do this investment thing or whatever. And I, you know, I opened up an account with, you know, with TD Ameritrade and, you know, I'm trying to like learn about day trading. I'm trying to use Thinkorswim, but that thing is very complicated. That's already showing me you're putting forth the effort. You're not going to say those things unless you're doing it because those are very, that's very specific. I'm like, okay, that's impressive that you've actually made it that far. Then, okay, I might point you to a couple of videos here and there that, you know, get you started. But again, I'm not going to walk you through it because guess what? No one walked me through it. And I'm still, I'm still learning every day. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a parallel example. I get people that are very presumptuous sometimes, and they just email me, and they'll just send their blood work and be like, "What do you think of this?" <laughs> now, not even asking me if I can take a look at this, or do I charge for this, or do I even offer this. It's just like, oh, yeah. "Hey, Mike, I got my blood work done. What do you think?" And I was like, "I'll tell you what I think. I think you should pay me five hundred bucks." For my- <laughs> And I, I think you're and I think you're on the track. And I never feel like I have to explain myself. I'm not like, look, I've been oh, studying no. for 15 years. I do this. I go, my fee is $500 to review your blood work and send you a detailed report on what's going on and what I recommend. That's it. No, no other explanation beyond that. And if yeah. you don't want to pay that, that's fine. Go look at the free information on my website. But my attitude is this. If my advice is not worth paying for, it's not worth taking for free either. So Let me put it like this. I'm going to put it like this. Whatever I charge you, you're still getting a value compared to what I've invested in the knowledge that I have. I've done three of these <laughs> consults in the last week, and every single person said it was the best 500 bucks they'd ever spent. It was so much more valuable than all of the doctors they've ever been to put together. Every single person thus far, three people has said that. So this is not something I'm doing on a wide basis. I don't have it advertised on my website. I don't have an info page, and I don't plan to. But... <clears throat> When people come in, most people are polite. They'll ask me, they're like, hey, do you, could, could you, what do you charge to look at my blood work? Right. That's someone who's being respectful, right. being polite. The people that are not respectful are the ones who just send it to you and say, what do you think? Not even asking <laughs> tomorrow, you. Tomorrow, I, think, I think this is spam and I'm reporting you. That's what I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> so one guy's levels, I looked at it. I didn't give him advice on what he should do, but I, I looked at it real quick and I responded, your testosterone levels are abysmal and your fasting glucose is near pre-diabetic levels. That's it. That's all I said. Right. And that's to my, and trust me, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, that little is, goes a long way. And then it was like, well, what can I do about it? I was like, okay, motherfucker. Now <laughs> what you can do is pay me 500 bucks if you want me to waste my fucking time thinking about your issues. You actually expect me to look at your blood work and then sit around thinking about what's going on because that's what I do. Look, I can look at someone's blood work and in 30 seconds or less, I know what's going on. That's the easy part because I've done this so much. I've never looked at someone's blood work and been mystified in any way. 
I always know what's going on and what I can recommend. But I like to think about it. So what I'll, when someone pays me for this service, I'll go through the blood work. I'll write down all my initial notes. And then I like to let it sink in my head for four or five days. Think about it. Let it marinate. And then I get back to them and say, okay, here's what's going on. And here's what I recommend. So it's a process is where I'm going. It's not something that I just put two minutes into. I actually put real time into it. When someone's paying me 500 bucks, I'm going to put some real time into it and they get their money's worth. I, my reputation has always been that. People who know me since the beginning. I always under-promise and over-deliver. I always have. Yeah, you come to my workshops, you're going to think, you're going to leave going, man, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. I got so much more out of that than I, than I thought I would. Yeah. And I think that's a anyone in any type of business or whatever, I think that should be their approach. Again, yeah. Under-promise, over-deliver. You know, so... You know, like I, don't, I don't tell a woman that she's going to have the greatest sex of her life with me, but that's what she, that's what's going to happen when we get you know when we get together. I don't have to say it. I don't have to hype it up, but that's what's going to happen. You know, that's an example of what I'm talking about. I don't oversell it. <laughs> I don't overpromise and underdeliver. Most guys well, are like, hey man, I, oh, well, most guys are like, dude, I'm going to do this to you, and we're going to do. I'm going to tear that ass up. Girl. We're going to smash all night, and then he blows his load in thirty like, seconds. Look, man, there's nothing better than being just quiet about that next one you know like they, when you're done they just they just stop and they just look at you or that <laughs> or in the middle of doing it they just grab your your head they grab your face and just stare at you and like and just give you this look like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> it's like and men, you don't have to, hold, you don't have to say a word like your examples you don't have your to say a word always, you know when you give examples like this you're always drawing from personal experience it's never <laughs> like a movie you watched you're, you're always like you know when a girl does this and i was like yeah i know you do you know? <laughs> <laughs> i was like well i'm like look man when she grabs you by grab you by your face and just stares at you and then she's like what are you doing and you don't have to say a word because mentally you're saying like i'm snapping Matching your soul, woman. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to say it. And they just understand it. Come so on. You said when, like, when, a, when, like, when cougars hit on you, they always buy some old trick. You know, you said that so. <laughs> you said that so quickly that I was like, that's definitely happening. <laughs> it's like, it's, you're like, why is it always going to be they get some old ass trick? You know? Like, I was like, okay, this has definitely happened to you more than once. You know? <laughs> like, baby, let me buy. Baby, let me buy you some Hennessy. Really. <laughs> <laughs> to my to my Hennessy to my <laughs> Hennessy but to my no ice I'm like okay first of all <laughs> I'm gonna stop you right there let's I think the word you're looking for is neat okay not no ice okay <laughs> she's like ooh you oh you sophisticated you know what I'm talking about don't you <laughs> I was like so baby, hey baby, can I buy you some Crown Royal? No, I don't drink things that I keep, that I use the bag to keep my Dominoes in. Like, come on. <laughs> or some lady comes like, hey, can I to my um, I, to my? Would you like to have a dry martini? I'm like, what this is this a James Bond movie with my Idris Elba? I'm auditioning now. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'll take a dry martini, but you look like you have a dry snatch. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's that's about as far as the dry is going to go tonight. <laughs> to my, to my a dry martini, I'm like, huh? Definitely. Isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> it's like, like my, you, you can at least at least offer me a glass of Moet, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think you should have a beer, lady, because that's got phytoestrogen in it. It'll- <laughs> Estrogen levels and that'll lubricate you down there. So let's let's be strategic about this shit. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what's interesting about Sal, I actually got to connect for DMT, and DMT is the most intense psychedelic experience you can 
you yeah, can have now, now you're in rogan land now <laughs> yeah, no it's basically a vape pen and you just you just smoke it until you get into this ridiculously intense psychedelic state it only lasts 20 minutes so it's but people that I've, i haven't done it yet but everyone i've talked to who's done it says that 20 minutes feels like a long time it doesn't feel like 20 minutes you feel like you've been gone for hours by the time you come out of it and it, everyone that i know who's done it had always had a profound experience a profound positive experience that is right it was mind-blowing like you're it just dissolves your egos what one of my best friends from high school said he's really into psychedelics now he's so into psychedelics that he started a psychedelic company he does well, that's how you do it <laughs> yeah he does ayahuasca tours he has a fucking podcast where all he does is bring on psychedelic experts every episode he really got into it hey man that's how you do it yeah <laughs> because one thing about <laughs> yeah. it you're, you're also by, by doing that you're, you're doing more research you know <laughs> absolutely Oh, I'm, I mean, look, I'm just as interested in psychedelics as he is. I think I find the whole thing fascinating. I think I think it's a really interesting domain, especially for people with mental health issues. But the DMT, I can't wait to do it. Yeah. So I, hopefully this week I get it and I can talk about it the next time we record an episode. Now, I'm sure there's people asking like, um, like all of this. Yeah, I'm sure no one's I mean, I'm sure someone's going to ask, like, you know, is this legal in all states or is this just you no, it's know, not legal like, at all? Yes. <laughs> Psilocybin is not legal and DMT is definitely a lot legal, but that doesn't mean that you can't get it. All right. right? <laughs> it just depends. So the DMT I bought is definitely not legal to buy DMT or to import allegedly. It that so, you allegedly bought. <laughs> <laughs> well, my attitude, my attitude is, is here's the deal. Is it likely that customs will seize it? No. Is it possible? Yeah. If, <laughs> if they do, you get a warning, and that's it. Now, if you try to bite again, it's going to be a more severe penalty, but you get a warning. They're just going to throw it, especially if it's just one pen. If I'm ordering 500 or something like I'm a distributor, that's a yeah. bigger problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, get, I get medications from overseas all the time without a prescription, and they're legit. Well, I'm, I'm thinking your best time to do it is during this government shutdown because most of those agencies, they're going to be furloughed at the time. Yeah, so yeah. That's going to be your time to load up. But those people are not looking for me. They're, they're not looking to catch the Clomid I bought from an offshore pharmacy. All right? They don't care about that no, they're shit. They're probably not even pronouncing it. What's Clomid? <laughs> yeah. Me buying 50 tablets for personal use is not going to set off any red flags. It's, it's just not going to. Well, one time, though, I bought DHT cream from an offshore place, and DHT cream is not legal in America. So what happened is Customs did seize that. They sent me a letter saying, hey, this is a controlled substance. You're not allowed to buy this. And then, then they're like, if you think otherwise, feel free to get in touch and come claim it. I was like, I'm like, right. shit. I was like, no, okay. like, nah, it's okay. Of course, I'm like, oh, man, I had no idea. You know, thanks for letting me know. And that's okay. You, know, you guys can go ahead and discard it. Come on, enjoy you know? it. Come on, enjoy it because we know you're not going to throw it away. <laughs> you, you, you can discard it, but you should rub it on your dick before you do because it helps with <laughs> Let's not put this to waste, man. I mean, come on. DHT is way more powerful than testosterone. Way more powerful especially for sex drive and sex function. And that that's alpha male intensity for a lack of a better metaphor just makes you very driven and, and tenacious going after stuff. So DHT is, I mean, testosterone is basically a pro hormone for DHT. DHT is the strongest sex hormone for men. I mean, women produce it too, but we make a lot more and it cannot convert into estrogen. So no matter how high your DHT levels go, it does not spill over into estrogen, while testosterone can convert into estrogen. In fact, now dudes are like, "Oh man, they're like, I get that DHT, man." <laughs> you know, estrogen is made from testosterone in both men and women. Women just convert it way more rapidly. Of course, men now are converting it almost as rapidly as I'm women. About to say. 
Everywhere I go, I see estrogen dominance. That's all I see. Everywhere I go. Visible estrogen dominance. I mean, this is men walking around with clothes on, and I can tell they're estrogen dominant. I, 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 can, see I can see it in the comment section. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to see it. I can just read it. I'm like, yep, there it is right there. <laughs> like, look, man, there's some drama going on in the crypto world right now. And I'm just looking at how these dudes are responding and, and, and acting like little little broads fan broads yeah i was like god it's, it's a lot of estrogen in in the crypto world like, it's like it is sad it's like jeez man but, but yeah you like i said you can just tell by just the things that dudes type and then when he's they type certain things and then you look and look at the profile picture and it's some anime picture tells me everything i need to know well, the, the, the funniest are these testosterone booster ads I see on Instagram where it's some pretty motherfucker who's about <laughs> as masculine as fucking, you know, a 12 year old. a polished toenail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about fucking optimal testosterone levels and how important it is for men. It's like, yeah, it is important, but you don't look like you have any more. With your, with your well-plucked eyebrows. Okay. <laughs> if you say so, buddy. <laughs> this is why my testosterone booster sells so well, because when you see me talking about it, you know I have high testosterone levels. Forget about my blood work. Can you fucking see it in my face and the way I talk? <laughs> Obviously, my T levels are on point. <laughs> no one ever wonders that. And then the blood work I do have, that substantiates it. But even if you never saw the blood work, look at my physical abilities. Look at the way I carry myself. Look at the way I talk. You know, that's a man with high testosterone levels. These candy-ass bitches, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> reading, reading off the teleprompters you know, with their well-polished YouTube video. And, all, and then there's this one guy, this one fitness twat who has a million followers. I forget his name, but all he does is talk about how great he is for 10 minutes and then to, and then sells you on some bullshit testosterone booster. He's like, I can bench press 315 five times. I can do Nordic curls. I can do, it's like, well, so what, motherfucker? That doesn't tomorrow, mean. Tomorrow, tomorrow, I can bang your girl while you're making this video. But hey, <laughs> I'm not bragging about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can do Nordic curls too. It's not because I have high testosterone levels that I can do that. You know, anybody can work up the Nordic curls if you give it enough time. You know, it's not because of your high T levels. So get the fuck out of here with that. I had high T levels last year. I couldn't do a Nordic curl to save my life then. You know, it comes with practice. It's not like increasing my testosterone. All of a sudden I, I go in the garage and I was like, wow, these Nordic curls are easy. Right. There's just so much bad advice on shit. And I can't, what's cool though, is I make these videos now where I rip on these products. I explain why they suck. I explain what a better alternative is. And then I post this shit. So it's, it's great for content that's relevant to my business. And then also it does drive a lot of sales to my shit because people can clearly, I clearly delineate the difference between these garbage products and mine, which actually does work. Right. Hey, let them spend all the money on the ads, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you guys spend money on ads and I'll make content and get a lot of views recording clips about your stupid ads. So it works out nicely. But, you know, that's the thing. And, and just in the industry in general, it's like, let's just make a bunch of pretty little ads and, and marketing and say a lot of slick stuff, hit a lot of the same talking points over and over and do dumb stuff. Whereas, okay. I'm benching 315 five times. That's going to look very impressive to somebody that can only bench 125 and right. 175. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. I want to bench, I want to bench 315. Yeah. But then there's someone who's 
who's been lifting for years and they're let's just say they're a power lifter or whatever else, but man, they've wrecked their body so much that their T levels are now getting kind of screwed up, you know, just because yeah. they haven't recovered correctly, or whatever else you're not impressing this dude when he's looking for advice on what to do, you know, as far as getting boosting his testosterone. So you, your little ad popping up talking about you're doing that, doing three fifteen five times to a dude that's like, well, motherfucker, I've been benching 600 pounds and, and 575 or 550, whatever, you know, for, five sets of five for years and it's totally wrecked my body. My testosterone is now pretty much buried itself. What can you do for me? Mr. 315. Uh, it reminds me of when my friend Dale Hart, he's been on the show, walked into yeah, Mark's yeah. office for the first time. And Dale's like, hey, Mark, I can deadlift 500 pounds. Now, I don't know why he felt the need to tell Mark. That's like me. That's Hold on, man. You know, <laughs> telling Mark Philippi that is like me telling Warren Buffett, hey, man, oh, I, I, got, <laughs> I got this X amount in my, my, my TD Ameritrade account. Warren Buffett's looking like, I own TD Ameritrade, dude. Uh, no. <laughs> Mark, Mark looked at Dale and said, you're not a man until you can deadlift at least 600. Because <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark is not a guy who likes people that self-congratulate themselves. Right, right, right. And the thing is, when Mark, when Mark gave you a compliment or praised you in any way, it was actually really you, meaningful. You earned it. <laughs> he, it. he doesn't just go around fucking giving out compliments for nothing. You know, so what, like, sometimes I would do something at the gym. He'd be like, great job, man. That was killer. You know, good job with that. Didn't happen all the time, but when it did happen, it actually meant something because you knew he meant it. Right. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> no, it's true. Three fifty. Someone bench pressing three fifteen, like you said, that's that's impressive to someone who doesn't really train. But right. someone who actually trains, someone who's a power lifter, every every power lifter that's two hundred pounds can bench press four hundred pounds. Yeah, you know, at, least double, at least at least do double your body weight. I mean, come on. Right. And most can do a lot more than that. You know, yeah. I, I if you're doing 315, you better be about 140 pounds to me, man. No, I, I bench <laughs> 315. When I, I weighed 180 pounds, I bench pressed 315 six times three years after I started training. And I was 21 at the first time when I did that. And I felt like the strongest man in the world when I did that. And then yeah. I went into a gym in Ohio where I was the weakest man in the room. <laughs> yeah, you, there, first of all, you said Ohio. Were, I'm like, yeah, man, come on. There was a woman in there bench pressing 315 for a <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> And honestly, that didn't that didn't uh, demoralize me. It inspired like, me. Like, exactly. It's just like, oh shit, man, you gotta get my shit together. It was, it was the first time I ever saw a man just squatting five hundred pounds like it's nothing. You know, I'd seen it in magazines, but I'd never seen it in real world. I bench pressing five hundred pounds like it's nothing. I was like, holy yeah. shit! I was like, look how strong all these fucking people are. Like the weakest guy in there was bench pressing three fifteen for five reps. You know, and, yeah. like, besides me. You know, yeah. So look, like, man, it's like a regular guy, and like every single person in there could bench press three fifteen for reps, even the weakest person in there. Man, let me tell you, I was I'm born and raised in a small town in Texas. Okay, with a lot of my friends that I grew up with. They were all, they had farms, you know? So when someone tells me like, oh, I can bench three feet, I'm like, dude, like, have you ever just like had to go out and like wrangle cattle with your, yeah. with your bare hands, you know, or sit there and break a horse, you know, or you, during the summertime for off season for football, we had to go out to my friend's um, dad's farm or whatever. We had to go out and haul watermelons. We had to go out and bale hay. That was part of our off season training. We weren't necessarily in the gym every day, just lifting weights you know no you spend the first part of your day helping out and now i look back at it i look i said you know what that was slavery <laughs> he had the whole football team out there doing all that manual labor tending to his farm and all this and didn't pay any of us <laughs> it was free labor for the most part but he's trying to dress it up like we were doing an off-season workout <laughs> you know but hey let me tell you we were all strong as hell even the smallest 
frailest guy on our team was strong. He said, like, had natural strength, you know. So, somebody, people want to talk about functional training. It's like, no, it's, you call it functional training. We call it manual labor. You know, we call it, yeah. you know, lifting shit <laughs> and getting shit done. So the, the strongest, the strongest people I know are movers, people that make. Oh man, dance. yeah, exactly. Heavy contractors, man, and yeah, construction yeah, exactly. construction workers. Like, I mean, look, I look at just some of the guys that work, that done projects for us, or things like that. When they show up to the house, he'd <laughs> be this little frail Hispanic dude, but I already know. Like, I said, this little motherfucker, I know he's strong. And yeah. then I watch them lifting things. I'm like, okay, see, I knew it. That's because they're doing this every day, all day. And then I take it, and this was so funny to me. They're not taking. They're, they're lifting heavy things every day. They're not sitting there thinking like, okay, well, today's, you know, it's my off day. Right. You know, right. I, I need to do some active recovery. No, active recovery, them is taking their ass home and taking a nice hot shower. <laughs> you know, that's what they, or they go out in the garage and drink a beer or whatever. But it's, you never know because they sweat that crap right back off. They're out there, they're, they're, they're doing things. So they're not sitting there thinking about, oh, I got to go, I got to make sure I get my warm up in before I get started. No, they get to work. So that's why a lot of things, man, it's just when you compare it to real world things, a lot of stuff is just so, so much BS that we've heard in this, in the fitness industry. Cause I always think back like, Hey, what does a normal everyday person do? You know, for the most part, I'm like, now I look at people that I've grown up with people in my family that done all these manual, these, these dirty, boring jobs and how they made it all these years or whatever. Well, Mark, Mark, Mark Felipe as a young man did, did that for years. That's why he built such a strong foundation for weight. By the time he started lifting weights, he was already strong as fuck because he all the years of manual labor. So, yeah, man. And you said like, oh, man, you know, they, they, that's why they, he's probably going to have a bad back. And then look, I think back a lot of them like, nah, they were stronger than Ox. And this too wasn't all that Mark, big. Mark, Mark is 60. He put up a clip a couple of weeks ago of, of him deadlifting 700 pounds without a belt. 700 pounds without a belt and with a bar that doesn't even bend a little bit, which makes it way harder. Yeah. And he, I mean, obviously, what you, you could tell, he put a lot of effort into the lift. It's not as if it was an easy lift for him, but he did. But, but you got to also factor in, you know, when you look at that, it doesn't look like, you know, he had, it looks like he had to put a lot of effort into it, but you got to think about what this meant, what's going on in his body as well. So that makes it even more impressive. Oh, yeah. You know how wrecked his body is. Oh, he has yeah. double knee replacement. And yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like, he's damn near like, Mark's damn near an android at this point. Well, look, you know? Mark is a guy where he was competing at a strongman event one time and he was doing squats and his hamstring or his quad tore. So he just did good mornings to keep going. He didn't even right. stop. He had a fucking torn quad muscle in the middle of a set. And all he did was modify the move to keep going. That's yeah. how mentally tough he is. And let me tell you, and that's not a pretty sight. Like anyone no. is like anyone that's no. a wrestling fan. And when you sit there and you watch like Triple H when he tore his quads and he kept yeah. on going with the match, I'm like, that's impressive. Or like yeah. even Vince, Vince tore his quads just like running into the ring. And he was like, he's probably in his sixties at that time. And he still <laughs> got up and walked out. I'm like, damn. Okay. Say what you want about Vince McMahon, but that's, that's pretty gangster right there. Well, hell, yeah, even yeah. like Cody Rose last year when he fucking tore his peck in the middle of a match, and man, it was so hideous to look at. But he still oh. finished the match, and I mean, yeah. and acted like, oh, I mean, adrenaline for like this. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. Oh, it is. <laughs> but man, when that drug wears off, Jesus Christ, yeah. man. But yeah. so it's yeah. it's again, I'm just amazed at what the human body can really endure. So yeah. when people just talk about these little things, what they can't take, I'm like, you have no idea what your body can take. Yeah. <laughs> put it through put it through the test see what you're really made of just like do it one more rep that's why i hate just even giving a set amount of no, like let's just say like with endurance let's just say like with calisthenics and you want to do like 100 push-ups 
I hate throwing that number in there because as soon as you start thinking about that number, you stop thinking about the, the actual rep that you're doing at that time. You start right. like you start negotiating with yourself. You start like, okay, I'm just gonna do 20. I'm gonna do five, six to 20, as long as I get to yeah. the hundred. My thing is do as many as you can. What I'm thinking about that number. Surprise. Well, my, my, my only counter to that is, I mean, for someone like you, that's very intuitive. I can see that working. My only counter to that would be for someone who is a beginner, you need a target. Because if you say do as many as you can do, they'll do 10 and stop when they could have done 30. So I, I actually like having a number myself personally, because I'm a numbers guy. So if I, if I go into a set and I say, I'm going to do a hundred pushups, no matter what, I'm not demoralized when it's 15, 20. I'm just oh, cruising no. <laughs> because oh, no. I know where I'm trying to go. I need to know where I'm trying to go to do something. Right. Like, look, I don't just go to the gym and just put a bunch of weights on and see if I can lift it. I need to know what it oh, is. Oh, it's just a different situation. That's why I use calisthenics, you know, in the, you know, in this situation. I'm not talking about weights. I don't, don't you, don't dare do that with weights. Please, <laughs> please don't <laughs> no, do that. What I'm saying, what, what, what you're but saying. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Again, you know, we have, you know, you're a very, you're very, left brain type guy <laughs> you know like so you, you know you write the numbers i'm the more creative type or whatever and i know me i will create myself right out of it but by looking at that number because it seems so it seems so it seems like a rule you know and there's a rebellion in me like i'm not telling me to do 100 i don't want to do 100 right now well there's something there's something to what you're saying because when i did 800 hindu push-ups when i was really into that shit yeah i didn't plan on doing 800 hindu push-ups in one set i i went into it thinking I was going to do maybe a hundred, but I felt so good. I just yeah, kept, I keep doing, you know, and I, and I kept saying, no, just do one more, just do one more, yep. just do one more, just do one more, do 10 more. And doing that, I, I was able, I mean, I probably could have even gone more than 800 because it's almost like your body just, your body just gives in at that point. You know, right. your body's trying to get you to stop. But once it realizes you're not going to, it's like, all right, fuck it. Let's keep going. Yeah. Like, so I like to battle when my mind and my body are going against each other. I like, I like to be in the, I like to be in the stands watching them go at it. And and I don't want to be on necessarily on team brain or team body. So well, dude, I'm that, like, I, I want to be the person at the UFC fight. That I'm like, I'm watching my body and my mind in the octagon. I'm not, I'm not the asshole sitting in the stands like, well, if it was me, I would have did this, this, and this. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy the show and watch these two go at it and see, like, you know, hey, it's it's this it's this this chess match going on between parts of my body here. You know, and I'm like, see who who's gonna outdo each other this round. And guess what? You know, can't wait till they have the rematch. You know, and see who who wins the next time. You know, see that's again that's my right brain self. That's me creating these scenarios. That's what helps me through a lot of things. I create these type of scenarios or whatever. It makes it more interesting for me because just sitting there counting the numbers, especially at this point after training for damn near fifty years, <laughs> you know, for at least thirty five to forty of those years, you know, it's like you you got to find these things like okay, just to keep it interesting. Yeah, and and not necessarily. I don't want to keep it interesting by doing dumb shit. I'd rather do it interesting by creating these scenarios in my mind of doing the basics and making the basics even more fun or seeing these basics through diff- a different I'm, 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 You have to find what motivates you, that's for sure. Right. Because for me, I'm a strength guy. Anytime I try to do, anytime I try to deviate from strength focus, I lose interest. Because I've I've tried to do bodybuilding shit in the past, but it has no interest to in me because nah. I don't get I'm I, a I tend to, I get over it kind of quickly oh. because I'm, I don't care about that whole, oh, I got to make sure I got a, an eight pack or I got to make sure that, you know, my traps on top of my traps and all this stuff like that. Because my thing is, can those things function and do the things I need them to do in the things that actually matter in my life? You know, so I'm uh, always thinking, I, definitely, I definitely care about having a six pack and I'll have a six pack till the day I die. That's important to me. Yeah, I'm, like, like, so I'm, 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 I'm one of I'm those about people that just focus on like that whole bodybuilding thing, like 
get, you got to have the, the the symmetry and the aesthetics. Just no, like no, this, no, this, no. This. I'm with I don't have you. time for that, man. No, I, I my body looks. My body is the result of the way I train. Not exactly. Because, not because not I because I'm focused on trying to make it look like this. You right. know, and right. <laughs> because my but thing I, is like, I, okay, I'm looking like training. this, but is it doing what I needed to do? Now, I, I'm a I'm a gambler in life. I like taking risks. So like yesterday, I'm doing this squat machine. I you know I put 18 plates on, which I've never done before. I like and there, so there's always the fear of you know that's 865 pounds. If you don't if you try to lower it and you can't come up, it could crush you. It's a wrap. Yeah, but I, but, I, but I like that shit. And then before I did it, I'm psyching myself up. I could see other people looking like, oh, let's see what. Hey man, it's nothing like telling yourself like, hey man, you people watching. Don't fuck this up <laughs> because, because uh, I, I do an assessment of the people around me. Like, do you really want to depend on these motherfuckers to get this weight off of you? Yeah, <laughs> Think I about it. If I couldn't lift this weight, I was, I was going to be fucked. Anyway, long short, I, I banged it out five times. It looked really clean and it was super empowering. Like I was on a big high after that. Yeah. So I, I still love lifting heavy weights, but the difference is I'm not doing movements that I used to do. Like deadlifts, I've retired that lift for a long, a lot of reasons. I'm done yeah. with deadlifting. I love deadlifting. I got a lot out of it, but there's nothing else for me to get out of deadlifting. And right. it, it's, it's only, and if I try to, if I try to lift more than 600 pounds, the risk versus reward is not favorable. Right. But uh, with a lot of these machines, leg presses, hip belt squat, the squat machine I used yesterday, it puts you into a perfect alignment. So yeah. no matter how heavy you go, you're still in that perfect yeah, alignment. You're reducing that room for error, you know? Right. And it <laughs> also, the, the worst you can do is let your ego take over and put too much weight yeah. that's, that's the worst you can really do. I've on these moves before, so it's fun. And also, the, the one I did yesterday is basically a reverse hack squat. Yeah. It's very similar to a deadlift. It's like a deficit deadlift in terms of the range yep. of motion. So actually, I actually maintained my deadlift strength to a large extent without deadlifting just from doing that. Yeah. I mean, even in place of, like I said, I could, in place of deadlift, like, again, it's not going to replace it, but it still gives me those mechanics of it to an extent. I still, I'd rather use the trap bar at this point. You know? Yeah, trap bar's yeah. great. I mean, because that's just something, trap bar's been my been my friend for a long, long time. You know, we've gone through a lot awesome. together, you know. Yeah, trap bar's awesome. I dude. love the fucking trap bar, you All know, because. The center of mass, it's more of a leg drive, so yeah. I like the trap bar too. I actually have a one to one ratio between my trap bar deadlift and my actual deadlift. Yeah, I did too for a long time, you know, which is good. Some people are stronger on trap bar than barbell deadlifts because they load up the legs better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I use the same technique on a trap bar that I use on with a barbell. So the basic, the way you load up your legs on a trap bar, I load up my legs like that with the barbell. Yeah. But I did some deadlifts last week just for the hell of it, just to see if I could do it. And it was fun, but it was kind of like hooking up with an ex-girlfriend. That, it's you know, like, it's just never as good as the first time. You know, it's yeah. like, you know what? It's like, I was like, you know what? This is not the same. It was fun back in the day. Like, but it's, it's, Damn, it's girl, just, you know, your head game was way better back in the day. It's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, now you're talking too much. Like, what is all this, what's all this chatter you know, going on down there? You know? One thing Salasaben gave me insight into is that <laughs> I, I have spent way too much of my life placing my value on my physical abilities. You know, how strong and then not yeah. so much attention from other people for myself. Right. Because you know, right. I want other people to tell me how strong I am, but just for my own confidence, I like knowing I can do shit. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you take it too far where your value is on that, like in other words, if I lost all my strength, that means I'm not valuable anymore. No, right. I'm still valuable. I'm still valuable as a person. I'm still but valuable again, for all the things I do. You know? But again, there's that part of me that goes back to the origin story again. Like again, you know, kind of we talking about like DID. There was that part of you. I feel that, you know, 
because of the trauma that happened to you that created like there's a part of you that created this personality for you that had to be this stronger person that would protect you you know and and as you got older that fucker just kept getting stronger he's like okay you know as i feel like maybe as time went on he's like okay as you get older you endure even other situations even probably even more more dangerous situations because you're getting older now you know the the older you get the bigger the risk of what's going on out there because you've been exposed to a lot more things so therefore you need to increase your strength to prepare yourself for those things in case you encounter them because at the end of the day at the end of the day you're still at the end of the day you're still that five-year-old child you know know, it never goes away i was telling my wife about even i said no matter how much weight you've lost or whatever i said everything you do you're still doing it you know with that overweight child of yours, you know, that you right. were in mind. I said, every right. action you take, you're doing it really for her, you know, through her, because of her, or, you know, it's about her. It never so goes true. away, you know? So, and I think that's what a lot of people get in trouble when they do things that really do a radical change in their life. When to combat some things they saw as negative, that may necessarily have been the most, you know, positive thing in their life or whatever. They try to forget that thing. They they do the new thing that improves that, that improves them, and they try to pretend like the other thing never happened. Or it's like I don't want to think about that ever again because now I'm here. Like no, but no no one's saying to go and just sit there and just harp on the negative thing, you know. And the thing is, I, I it's even hard for me to even call it a negative thing at this point. It's like it's a catalyst that set you there. And so, I mean, you wouldn't be doing the things you're doing now to improve upon your life had that thing not happened. So, is it necessarily? it's not necessarily negative per se, you know, it, it, so it just depends on what, you know, what it is. So even just looking at that now, just the whole, again, it just kind of goes back to just the whole little stoic thing and in Taoism and things like that. It's just like, really, you know, is there good or the bad? Is there the negative and the positive? It's just like, no things just is for the most part. And the thing is, it's like how you see it and what you're doing with that situation. And it, it, so it becomes this whole existential thing or whatever. And to the point where people are like, okay, well, it just seems like you're not caring. Like, no, it's just like, we put a lot of value on things being this or that. And right. a lot of times it's usually something right there in the middle. You know, yeah. and, and a lot of people, and the thing, that middle thing is so, it is so in, for the most part seen as not defining that you can't take it seriously. And I think you should. It's just like, okay, it it, it is. It, it it just is. Because at the end of the day, it's like, how am I? Okay, what does that situation have to do with me right now? How do I see that right now? And a lot of times folks can't because it just there's no, really no reaction when you're feeling it right now. It's, it's so much easier to get a reaction out of it when you think about how, how it happened, how you felt in the past when it happened. Or the anxiety right. of if it happens to me again, I'm good. You know, da, da, da. there's the anxiety of the future of it or whatever, if, yeah. which is not even yeah. guaranteed, you know, but just sit there and be sitting in the now of that, you know, is, yeah. is the fact that you don't really feel anything. I think that throws people off because, because all you can do a lot of times is just, you, you feel it, you question it right now. And it makes you think about it right now, but there's really no reaction. All you really get is just a response. Like, huh? Just like you were saying with psilocybin, it, it just really, it really helps you just be introspective of things like, okay. Makes you reevaluate those things. It makes you introspective in a very interesting way. Exactly. It's like as if you're looking at yourself as a third person. Exactly. Yeah. That gave me that. That it's like like when I look when I think about the lifelong depression I have now, I don't think about it as I have it as in me right now. I think about it as a friend telling me about it, and I understand what he's saying. Right. 
that's that's the interesting way of looking at it. I feel that I don't feel that I have depression anymore because of psilocybin. I feel like I'm free of it. I feel like I understand it though, and I, I can be very compassionate for other people, including myself. One thing I realized is I, I always have so much compassion for other people, but I never directed that compassion to myself. I never right. gave myself credit for persevering through all the fucked up shit I've been through. Right. I mean, to me, it was just so normal. I didn't really think about it until I would tell other people about it and they would just be, you know, their jaw would drop and they would just have so much sadness in their eyes hearing these stories. And I'm like, well, shit, wasn't that bad. And it's like, yeah, it was that bad. It's just that you got used to it and you persevered through it. So give yourself some credit, man. Give yourself some credit for being a five-year-old surviving sexual abuse. Give yourself some credit for dealing with all the racism and hatred and bigotry from other people and persevering. Give yourself credit for finding an unconventional way to get wealthy and do it on your own terms and and live the life exactly the way you want to do. I mean, that's old stuff that people deserve. I mean, if someone else, if if I were someone else and that person were telling me my story, I would be like, man, that's fucking impressive, man. Great job. You're killing it. And then you have people who have just the reverse of that, where they have so much compassion for others, but not, you know, that compassion for themselves. Right. You you know, it's just like, and they're like, oh my God, it's like, I, I feel you and I see you, but they don't feel themselves and see themselves. Right. And one thing I can say this, when you're really being introspective, you're really being in the moment. When you're in the moment, it is hard to be a victim when you're in the moment. True. Victimhood is really caused by, again, the way you're looking at the past or what you're perceiving the future. You know, so but when you're in that moment, right, like I say, you're sitting in that that now, it's really hard to be a victim. It's really hard, you know, because because you, you're not referencing anything when you're in the now. You're not trying to compare a situation to right now. You're just letting now, you just letting it happen. And I know some people, they think it's like, okay, this is very woo-woo or whatever. Like, no, this is, it is what it is. Even just yeah. trying to say it's woo-woo. When I hear people say like, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, be wonky and woo-woo. Again, they're thinking of, they're referencing something that they've heard or seen before or yeah, yeah. or way they felt about something before. I'm like, you know, that that's that's an issue you're having when you say I'm not trying to be wonky or woo woo. It's like that's your perception of whatever. I'm 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 with you. You know, I'm hearing you. So I'm not even thinking about that. I can right. understand where you're coming from and I'm I'm feeling you right now. And again, listen what I'm saying. I'm feeling you right now. Okay. So I, I think it's important in life to to have that no filter. And what I mean by that is like this guy saying, Why are you depressed? And instead of me going into some evasive answer, I went right into it immediately. Right. I was like, because I was sexually assaulted when I was five years old, multiple times, forced to be with a grown woman in a relationship. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Most people don't talk about it. Well, that they, well you know why they, they want to dance around. And they want to make, it's like, I don't want to make this yeah, person yeah, feel yeah. uncomfortable. I'm thinking like, well, here's the thing. You, you came at me with this. And oh, so now you've shown me the language you understand. So let me give it to you in a language you can understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> since you're not, since you're not showing any true compassion, why would I speak? compassionate back to you when you're not going to understand it obviously you know obviously but so, what's, funny, what's funny is i know the guy's backstory who kind of i mean i'm not saying he's an asshole he was a nice guy i talked to him for a while but just that just that whole mystified look of why are you depressed as if there's some circumstance that i'm avoiding improving right and i know this guy's circumstances i know for a fact that he doesn't make a dime fucking doing what he does and that someone else pays all of his bills so it's like he's got his other issues going on you know yeah 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 it's like like, (laughs) don't worry worry about me man i'm successful in a way you wish you were successful at right or he may not wish to be be successful he might actually you know like being the little gigolo you know he might he might like having a sugar i don't 
I, I might sound antiquated and I might sound like a barbarian, but in my, well, in my you might like being a sugar baby. Okay. You know, there's no problem there. <laughs> no, me, me as a man, I'm a, I'm a provider and a protector. I just am. It doesn't mean that I don't want Carol to work and it doesn't mean that she shouldn't work, but if she doesn't want to work, I'm perfectly okay with that. I don't want yeah. her to do it before she's miserable. She was working as a massage therapist down the road. And every day I was getting these texts from her talking about how soul sucking this job is and how much she hates it. And how someone came in with a stinky ass. And she had to deal Hey, let me just break it down to you. Like I, when you told me, you know, when you're saying that, you know, Carol was, you know, a massage therapist, I, I, I was like, God bless her. Like two jobs. I don't want to have massage, oh, therap- never- a massage therapist and a gynecologist. Okay. <laughs> Carol, Carol has a very sensitive sense of smell too oh i so do too like, dude i'm like even something that's slightly funky I can is, smell, dude is, is i'm telling for you. her she told <laughs> me that sometimes people flip over on the table and they're and, and she goes she goes oh my god she it's, can't even it's this. like a mushroom cloud man have you ever had like wild mushrooms growing in your yard like in the summertime like here in texas and like when i was a kid i would pick them up and like you kind of press them and they let out this little dust now I look back i was like maybe i should have sniffed that dust but now I think about it but anyway but, but my, my attitude also is that it's when once she complained about it a couple times, I go quit that fucking job today. I don't want you going back there again. You're miserable there. We don't need the money. I pay all the bills. Quit that fucking job. There's no reason for you to be well, there. Guess what? That misery comes home too. Even if she yeah, tries not to, did, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna show well, up at home somewhere. She would, she would come home all miserable and just want to go into her room and watch TV because she had to deal with all these dipshits all day. Yeah. So I was like, fuck this shit. I was like, I'm not gonna sit around and watch you being unhappy when I can do something about it. Right. So quit the fucking job. Here's a bunch of money to pay off your debts and and live off of for the next six months. Figure out what you actually want to fucking do now and then do that. But you don't have to do something that you don't want to do in life. So don't do it. Yeah. And I'm not going to stand around and just let you be miserable. I'm, I'm just, that's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I come from a traditional background of my father was the provider. He was the protector. Now, I'm not saying that, it's, that that's how every relationship should be. I'm just saying that's how I am. Now, I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to have a woman who makes a great income, too, and is super successful. I'm not like one of these guys who's like, no, I don't want my woman to work. She's got to just stay home and be on my beck and call. I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is that any woman with me has the option. She can work or not work because I got everything on fucking law. During that whole pandemic, everybody's shitting their pants. I didn't miss a fucking beat, man. I wasn't even remotely stressed. I wasn't even stressed if my business went to zero, which it didn't. Because because of how much I have in savings and all that. So I knew it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, but like, my business thrived during that year. I fucking crushed it in 2020. Oh, yeah, same here, you know. And, you know, it helped that, you know, my business was considered essential here in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, firearms instructors. Yes, that's an essential that's an essential job. <laughs> you, you guys can go. So, I mean, the dick pics I post on my OnlyFans was considered essential, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking with Carol. I was like, like I was joking with Carol. I was like, look, and uh, I, I was like, uh, I'll, I'll sell pictures of my dick all day long as long as people know it, don't know it's me. You know? Exactly. <laughs> See, I'll post fucking a hundred pics of. I'll, I'll post a picture of my morning erection every fucking day and post money off it as long as people don't know it's me. There's a lot of women out there making a shitload of money just taking pictures of their feet. You don't know whose feet those are. As long as they don't have, <laughs> have a tattoo on it, you don't know whose fucking foot that is. It's like, shit, why not? So, I wouldn't even question I, that. I don't, like, care. I don't care who sees my dick as long as they don't see my face and my dick. At the it's like, as long as you can't identify the face <laughs> with the dick, I'm good. You know? <laughs> now, what would be scary is if someone sees my dick and they know wait, it's me. They, they look like, like, wait a minute. Is it, <laughs> I get, a, get a DM on, get a DM all of a sudden, sincere, this you? 
what the fuck? <laughs> I know that dick anyway. Yeah, look, I don't. I don't even walk around the. I don't even walk around the M spa with my dick hanging out. So no one should know what my dick looks like. <laughs> it's like I recognize that dick anywhere. Even twenty years <laughs> later, I know that. Dick. <laughs> I'm glad you know it. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, man. oh, just here, here's another total tangent. But just going back to like dumb shit white people say to minorities. Like one time, Carol and I were at a comedy show, and she Carol changes her hair every day, so she changes her hair more often than Kim Blackburn changes his underwear. But of course, that's Hold a low. Oh, I was like, wait a minute. So you, you said every day, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I said every day. I said every day. Now here's the thing. Yeah, she had her hair. It looked really nice. It was kind of an ethnic hairstyle, so she had it down, and it, it looked really good. But this one white lady came up to her and she's like, oh, oh. man, here we go. She's like, oh, I was like, oh, I hope I'm not offending you, but I think your hair looks really nice. And then Carol's like, why would that be offend me? <laughs> you know, it's like because we're the- because we're in this cancel culture and, and everybody, every little thing offends everybody. And so people think anything they say now could be offensive because she may have run into somebody like, well, what is that supposed to mean? That my hair looks good. What are you trying to say it doesn't look good every day? I don't see you every day. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, who knows? Because there are some people who are just so sensitive. So it's to the point where people just don't even know at this point because everybody's offended about something. You know, so I was just thinking that where you're going with this, I was hoping that, I was like, please tell me this white lady didn't touch her hair. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting, I haven't even heard the whole story. That was the one thing I was worried about. Like, please don't touch that. That's that happened before too. <laughs> yeah. Or, or when they like, they're asking, can they touch your hair as they're touching your hair? Yeah, yeah, not knowing like okay, I've taken so many different martial arts and whatever. So I'm seeing your hand coming to me, and I swat you back like that. Well, look, you know, people people always talk about toxic masculinity and how inappropriate men are with women. Well, it's funny no one talks about toxic femininity. You know, I know. Guess like- what, ladies? There's a flip side to that coin. Okay, one time, one time I was having I was having a meal with Carol at the Venetian. I had a tank top on because we just came from the pool, and this fucking old white lady literally walks up to the table starts feeling my arms right in front of Carol saying, Oh my God, your arms are so nice. And then she looks at Carol and she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, it's oh, like what? get the fuck out of here. You knew what you were there. doing. You know, Carol's very, Carol's very mellow. She's very relaxed. And this was an old lady. So she's not going to get too flustered. But after she left, I started thinking, I was like, look at that young lady over there sitting by herself with shorts on. Imagine if I just walked up to her and started caressing her legs. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to go well. You know? <laughs> no. One time, I was at, one time I was at a concert at the M Casino and I was going through security and there was this drunk white bitch in front of me going off, just being a fucking annoying drunk person like most white women are when they drink. <laughs> and then... And then she looked at me and I had a shaved head at the time. She's like, oh, and she grabbed the top of my head and like started like shaking it. And I grabbed her oh, hand. And I, no. I grabbed her hand and I was like, don't fucking touch me. And she's like, oh, don't be so uptight. You know, like that attitude. I was like, really, bitch, if I grabbed your fucking head and started shaking it, you're going to you're going to you're going to. And I told you, don't be so uptight when you say don't touch me. And then and then she fucking slapped my ass as she walked. Oh, by. hell no. Now, I bring this story up. I'm I was like, OK, like, first oh. of all, now, here's the thing. Like, OK. I can have you arrested for assault. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> guess what? If I did all that, that's what you do. And if you did, well, here's, here's, here's the point. Here's the point I'm getting to: is that three security people were there when it happened, and they were all laughing like it's no big deal. Of course, I mean, because you're a man and you're strong, and you know they're yeah, perceiving exactly. you to be strong. Like, exactly. oh well, it's not like you know, you know shut up. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it, right there. So, look, I didn't feel threatened in any way. I know it's not the same as a man touching a woman, okay? There are levels to this shit. I get that. But it's still technically assault, and it's still unwarranted touching. I don't want this bitch touching me. And she decided that she can touch me anyway just because. 
Now, also, it's only drunk white women who do this, by the way. It's not drunk black women. It's not drunk any other ethnicity. It's only drunk white women, in my experience, because this is what white people think. White people think they can just do whatever the fuck they want to do. There's an old guy who watches dogs at the park. His dogs are always off leash, running around, acting a fool. He gives no fucks. Like white men especially are so used to getting whatever they want that when something doesn't go their way, they lose it. They just fucking blow a gasket. My dad was like that. My dad is one of those white men. That's what he was like. And he'd be all polite, and then the customer service person would say something that irritates him, and he would hit the nuclear button. He'd be going off screaming like a lunatic at her. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, there's probably some white men listening. Like, well, this well, this episode is just an anti-white man episode, isn't it? <laughs> hey, I'm just talking. I'm just there's a war sh- against white men. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you hear that bullshit too now. Like, I'm like you, you know, who's who's usually starting wars, bro? Don't, don't you guys run the fucking. Have you looked at DC lately? Let's look who's running the country. Okay, <laughs> how many non-white men are running the country that starts wars? Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's look at that. Let's just be. Let's just get re- down to it. So when we start talking about war, don't don't do that. How many how many white men are afraid for their life when they get pulled over by the police? <laughs> no. How many white men drive past the police and look in their rearview mirror? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and feel the need to do so. Well, if you weren't, right. well, here's the thing. If you're not committing any crime, you shouldn't have to look in the rearview mirror. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's always, it's like, what were you doing? It's always that kind of stuff. <laughs> what was I doing? I was minding my fucking business. That's what I was doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, what were you I'll... doing? Like, immediately, they, immediately you must have been doing something. But hey, back to blue. <laughs> so this is why it's so fr- I bring this up not to be anti-white. I'm half white. OK, obviously, I don't hate white people. My dad's white. I love my dad. <laughs> so it's not it's not as if I'm, I have some uh, hatred. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I've experienced r- racism or asshole behavior or discrimination, whatever you want to call it, from white people, black people, Indian people, you name it. I've experienced it. Asian people, you name it. So I, I don't put the burden of racism completely on white people. But what I will say is that it's very difficult to have discussions about racism with white people because they always get defensive and they just can't conceptualize what the fuck we're talking about because they haven't experienced it. Well, I was say, well, yeah, if, if they haven't, you know, a, a lot of them, if they haven't gone through it, you know, they, they just they can't see it. Instead of, instead of just having the answers, won't you ask more questions? Like, hey, man, you know, you know, I, I've never experienced that, you know, but what's your experience with that? You know, right. help me, help me, help me understand. You know, I will, I will give this put it like this. You know, we have a mutual friend during the whole when COVID first started, like the whole, that whole spring when everything was going on, George Floyd, all this stuff was going on in like 2020, you know, a mutual friend of ours who was just really trying to understand like how to just like how they could be an ally, you know, called me pretty much send me a message first. Like, Hey, so much is going on here. I mean, this is probably one, this friend of ours is very, very conservative, you know, so I, I, just the fact that she even reached out, I I had to give her respect for that. She's like, okay, I'm not trying to just be like everybody else that, you know, pretty much sees political views the way I do and just assume or whatever. I'm trying to truly understand the whole black lives matter thing. And he's like, I, I know who I am. Like, how can I help? Like, all the stuff is going on with the riots and, and, you know, what happened with that is like, of course, in my community, you know, it's not there. So this is not what happens every day, at least as far as I know. I'm just trying to understand. I want to know. And 
I don't want to be offensive. I want to know how can I be like, how can I help or how can I be an ally? And I don't want to just go around and assume that I'm just a good person because I don't do these things. She's like, you know, how, you know, just, I'm, I'm just trying to understand this because I really don't. And, you know, and so, you know, she's like, can, you know, can I call you or can you call me, Bob? I'm, yeah, no big deal. You know, cause again, she approached me with respect and not just assuming or feeling like I'm going to be the spokesperson for all black people. And like, Hey man, she also has a last name that rhymes with soy. And that's only him. <laughs> She's also an extremely, I mean, she puts the W in white. Okay. That's the, the person we're talking about here. She's about as white as, yeah, I don't mean that in a negative way. She just is. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, so it's like, okay, let's just put it like this. If there was a, if there was a, white racist or nationalist and they, they have the blueprint of how they would want their women to look and you know children <laughs> come out you know they would love her okay not saying she would love them but they would love her They're like that's what a you know woman should look like <laughs> you know well, so, then this lady also has a good sense of humor because when yes. she was my on, when she was my online client and she got such great results she sent me a testimonial saying, if you weren't married, I would blow you for all the <laughs> I was like, well, shit. Why, 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 I was like, why should my marriage stop that? That's, that's just a sign of respect. So, like, well, you know, well, shit, that's, look, I just don't invite my wife to the session, okay? <laughs> like a BJ is just like a handshake, okay? It's, just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a handshake. Between my dick and your mouth. Okay? Well, it's nothing personal. There's no, there's no, it's intimate, a very, there's no connection. It's a very intimate handshake. It's a sign of respect. Okay? <laughs> oh my god! No, that's true though. You know, she is very respectful. What she said, that's that's the way you do it. That's the way exactly. You do it. And we had, a, you know, we talked. It's like first of all to get me on the phone. Yeah, me, yeah. Exactly. First of all to get me to call you on a Saturday morning. Okay. <laughs> you know it's especially, serious especially someone i don't talk to all the time like we haven't spoken to each other directly in right. years yeah, yeah years yeah. you know but i mean yeah. we communicate every now and then like dm or whatever like on social media or whatever but again you know this is someone even though here's the one you know you're good friends with someone even though we haven't seen each other in years or spoken directly to personal face-to-face in years we're still you know we still considered being friends yeah, and it's yeah. like, you know what? It was one of those who wants to be a millionaire situations. Like, here's the question, you know, is this racist or blah, blah. Well, let me, let me call a friend, <laughs> you know? So she phoned a friend and this is like, okay, because instead of just asking some random stranger who might be, you know, strong, you know, highly strung up in the situation. And again, she also knew that I know this is a rational friend as well. She, she knows that I'm emotionally stable and I'm not just going to be like, why the fuck you ask me this shit? Why are you? I always speak for all black people. I'm not one of those people, <laughs> you know? So I'm going to look at it. I'm going to see it from her point of view. I, say, I get what you're saying, especially how you came at me and how you're saying it makes it a lot easier to truly understand where you're coming from. And okay, you came to me respect. I'm going to come back to you with respect because that's what friends do. And that's yeah. what good humans do as well. Even if you're not friends, you know? So, and like I said, I had to respect that. And actually I think I probably respected this person even more after that. Yeah. Just yeah. after that interaction, I'm like, well, damn. I mean, I knew you were cool, but I'm like, that that was fucking cool. That was really cool. I appreciate that. And at the same time, it's one of those things where it's almost like when when you're teaching something, this is why when you're interested in something and you get really good at it, you know, it, it pays to teach it as well. Because when you're teaching it, you tend to go more in depth when you get to learn even more about the topic or whatever. Oh, absolutely. And so, all my stuff I know about hormones, I wouldn't be anywhere near as knowledgeable as I am about hormones if I didn't teach it to other people and convey this information. No doubt exactly. about it. 
I just read a bunch of books for myself, I wouldn't have anywhere near the level of It's nothing like applied knowledge, you know? And and, and then sometimes you surprise yourself when you're saying things and things come out, you're like, oh, damn, I didn't realize I I already knew that. So it's a nice skill set to have because... Like, like, for example, if you have some hormonal issues, as a friend, I can help you with that. Right. You know, I can be like, hey, man, here's what's going on, and here's what will help you. And that's gratifying because you yeah. can follow the advice and be like, man, I feel a million times better. You know, family members that are dealing with issues, whatever, I, I can actually fix that. Carol gets her blood work done. I can look at it and say, here's what's going on right. and here's what you should do. Yeah. So yeah. It's, a, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a very empowering skill set to have. Oh yeah, because I don't have any fear of doctors because doctors are full of shit, and no doctor can interpret my blood work better than I can. Period. <laughs> Doctor Gordon, Doctor Garcia would be the two that had, would do right. a good job. But I, I fucking no one's going to put the effort that I put into it. Is what I mean. You right. know, I'll fucking look at it and spend hours thinking about it. You really think any doctor is going to do that? They're just not. No. That's why a lot of times when I do when I do, do my when I go to the doctor or whatever, you know, they're amazed by the shit I'm telling them just for the things I picked up from you and Dr. Gordon. You know, yeah. they're looking at me in amazement, like, how do you know all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> or to the point they were their question, like, oh, I gotta I gotta check that, I gotta look that up. My friend Jarvis is like that. He said he went to a doctor and he was asking a bunch of questions about testosterone. And then yeah. as the guy's answering, Jarvis is thinking in his head, he's like, Man, this guy doesn't know jack shit. Mike knows more than this guy. <laughs> yeah, know? I've been there. And it's funny because I've it almost I've had doctors where I actually told them about it. I was like, hey, man, go check out my buddy's website. You know, he really, you know, he really talks about it. Because especially when they ask some questions, like, okay, you know, I I haven't looked at the research on that. I said, oh, go to my buddy's website, you know, and just kind of go in and search and put that in. And it'll pop right up. And they're like, oh, okay. And they'll write it down. They're like, okay, I got to check that out. And I even tell them about when they ask, like, what supplements you're taking, I'll tell them the supplements. And then they're like, okay, what's what's in it? So I'll break it down. And then I'm like, it's funny. They always get intrigued when I talk about, like, bulbi. You know, they're yeah. like, oh, or, or when I just talk about, like, the benefits of Makuna, and you, they're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> they're like, okay. Most, most people, period, haven't heard of bulbine, no. which is funny to me because it's been around since 2000. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years, but it's been around in America since 2008. And it's the best single herb you could take for increasing testosterone. Yeah, everybody's still on the tribulus bullshit. Yeah, there's, no. probably three, <laughs> there's probably three testosterone boosters, including mine, on the market that actually have it in it. Yeah. But like I said, people still don't like tribulus and all this other stuff, you know, from Well, tribulus from is this. cheap. Is the reason yeah, exactly. You know. It's in there. Tribulus, see, here's the thing about supplement companies. They don't care about making a product that actually works. They care about making a product that they can sell. And over market. and over and over again, and you know, the, with the, the lowest the profit, with the lowest price point. You know, well, the higher the higher the profit margin, the more like that they will pick and choose ingredients based on profit margin, not yeah. efficacy. Well, so I mean, tribulus, they're no different. They're no different than the they're, they're no different than the food industry. <laughs> the food industry is the same way. Concat <laughs> like, is not expensive, especially if you get a generic. Horny goat weed is not expensive. All these generic bullshit ingredients that don't do diddly dick are not expensive. And then you just put a ton of money into marketing. You're not going to get repeat business, though. You're, you're going to get a lot of one-time hits if you do it right. No one's going to buy it again because it's not going to do anything. No one's going to just keep buying a product that doesn't deliver. They just won't. Supplement users are, are not as dumb as the companies like to believe they are. No. Those of us who use supplements, we don't just keep taking shit if we're not getting any value out of it. No, put it like this. They're just pretty much, they're going to treat you just like some gold diggers. It's like, you know, once they didn't get what they want out of you, they're going to bounce to someone else. So, yeah. you know, yeah. if your supplement didn't do it from them, guess what? They're not going to, most time they're not going to spend and waste their time to tell you, hey, this product sucked. I want a refund or send me another one, blah, blah. I mean, I know you deal with that sometimes, but what they're going to end up doing is like, well, this didn't work. Let me look for it. something else. You know, let me find something else and let me Google something else and see that's something that's similar or what they'll do is like whatever they bought, they'll put like, let's just say tribulus X, tribulus X versus, 
And then all of a sudden Google gives a list of shit that, you know, searches of triple X versus blah, blah, blah. And then they'll click on whatever they're it's being compared to triple X and they'll try that and they'll keep going and going and going. Or they'll just ask me, Hey man, you know, I've been doing this. What do you know about this? You know, so they're, they're going to keep bouncing around and hoping it's almost like one of those, it's almost like gambling, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, your risk to reward. It's just like, okay, if I just risk 10 to get a hundred, you know, I might take, I might lose three or four times or whatever, but that fifth one would be so big that it'll make up for the other fourth that I, four I lost. So they're right. just kind of gambling. Like, you know what? This is crap. This is crap. This is crap. Bam. Oh, wait, this one worked. It made me forget about the other ones that were crap. Right. You know? So it's just like, it becomes a numbers game for them. But a lot of times no, no one has ever used my T booster and then gone on to use another T booster and say that was better than mine. Right. <laughs> it just didn't happen. They go on to use other T-boosters, but they come back to mine because they're like, you know what? I tried some other shit. wasn't anywhere near as good as yours. I'm just going to stick with yours now. Yeah. And mine doesn't work for everybody. There's a 2% ROM responder rate. But generally, if my product doesn't work for you, it probably means you need TRT. Yeah, you got not, some serious stuff going and on. Not, not definitely, but probably because mine works to ramp up your own production. So if it's not working for you to ramp up your own production, that means there's a disconnect between your brain and your testes. And most likely, TRT is going to be the only way to get your levels into an optimal range. I'm not and, saying, and I will say, and I will say, some people don't give it the time that it needs as well. They expect something immediate. So That's it's also, like, yeah. like if, you may not get those those numbers may not go <clears throat> running up in the first month or two. You know, because my thing is, how long have they been low? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, and what else do you have going on? It's like, yeah, if you're not changing other things while you're taking the T booster, then you know, the the, the changes might be minimal at best you know so it's gonna be gradual at this point you know because you give it the environment give it an environment to work first of all don't keep doing the things that brought it down you brought your testosterone down while you're trying to boost it back up that's just that's that's just a waste of time for the most part you know you're just going to go through struggle and then they'll sit there like two or three months like oh man nothing happened my thing is if you and i think that's where a lot of people get in trouble they're like if i take this it'll take care of everything nope right it's not no no, and also testosterone is only one hormone that's important. Most men, right. men, men, men's testosterone levels is the new bench press. You know, yeah, hey, what are you? What are your teeth? You know, what's your testosterone number? I, I had a guy email me saying that he has high testosterone, but for whatever reason, his estrogen levels are extremely low. He's not converting at all, and that doesn't that sounds initially like a good thing, but it's not because estrogen is important for sex drive, function, mood, bone health, cholesterol, IGF one levels, you name it. You got to have healthy estrogen levels. But I told him, what are, what are your pregnenolone and DHEA levels? Because if they're low, you can supplement pregnenolone and DHEA, and some of that will probably convert to estrogen. And he goes, well, my testosterone levels are good, so can't we assume that DHEA and pregnenolone is also good? I go, no, you can't. You don't, you don't, if you don't have the data, you don't know. I, I actually have high testosterone. I, actually have, I naturally have low DHEA, so I supplement DHEA. But so my testosterone has nothing to do with DHEA is my point. And my pregnenolone was low too. So I supplement with that as well. I replace both of those hormones. So you can't, just because your testosterone is good and it's downstream from pregnenolone and DHEA does not mean that those are automatically good. They're not. But increasing those, well, some of that will convert to estrogen, which is a good thing in this guy's case because he needs to bump up his levels. Now, worst case scenario, this guy could actually take bioidentical estrogen. There's very few men that would benefit from actually supplementing with estrogen. But if this guy's levels are basically zero, then he would benefit from bringing it up. So it's all personalized. It's based on your individual situation. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, man. That was that was good stuff. It's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Went from the war on white men to getting your, your <laughs> testosterone up so you can stop thinking there's a war on white men. You know? <laughs> like talking about cougars and the old drinks they buy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, we covered a lot of topics today. As hey, you man, know. you know, you know, giving BJs, you know, and having nothing to do with you being married, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> to my, you know, <laughs> to well, my screaming wise, and not screaming wise, racist things at, at football games, you know. And <laughs> one wise man said, one wise man said, eating is not cheating. So just remember that. <laughs> eating ain't cheating. <laughs> it's not cheating if no one finds out about it. That's the other <laughs> way to look. At it. <laughs> to my, to my, well, the first it's question only, is, it's only, it's only cheating if you get caught. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> if, you if you don't get caught, then it never happens. Hey, you, know, you have a deniability. <laughs> I, I had a relative say, hey, man, smart. was there any penetration? Nope. Well, you're good. <laughs> like, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> what, book, what book are you reading from? <laughs> smart. were you emotional? Smart. Did you did you have an emotional attachment to this person? Nope. Well, there you go. You're good. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Come on, they should call that. These should be quotes from shit my uncle would say. Because these always sound like uncle quotes, right? Here. This is why they're your uncle and not your not your dad. <laughs> There's a reason why this man's 60 years old and still single. <laughs> he ain't cheating. To my if you felt no emotions, then you're good. <laughs> Did you do it with your eyes open? Oh, okay then. That's not love. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> oh, man. So there you go, folks. Take that. That was good, man. That was another fun episode. And hopefully I get my DMT experience in before our next episode because I, I know for sure I'm going to have some shit to say about it. <laughs> now you're going to come back like, hey, man, check it out. I saw Jesus. <laughs> I was going to be like, look, man, I decided to sell my house and live in a cardboard box. I realized the <laughs> illusion. <laughs> oh my I realized God. that my infatuation with always having a clean ass is unhealthy and that <laughs> I'm just going to have a dirty ass on this. I have a dirty ass. ass. I don't shave it anymore. And just like, here we go. <laughs> I have an ass fro, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and now I'm selling dick pics on OnlyFans now. Like, hey. <laughs> But at least I'm donating the proceeds to good causes. Okay, so it's not like you can't even question it after that. It's like, well, you know, all the proceeds go to Project Child Save. Now, what what did you want to say? What can you that? even say at that point? You're like, you know what, <laughs> uh, Mike? Why are you selling dick pics? Because I made ten thousand dollars, which I donated to Project Child Save to save kids from human trafficking. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> to my, have you donated lately, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. Go donate ten thousand bucks, and I'll stop posting dick pics. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like. So what's the link to your site again, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, I hear you talking about it. I haven't heard you mention that link yet, Mike. What are you talking like, about? Like, like, just, just, just click on the deck of my homepage. <laughs> first, uh, first, you, only, you only get the link. You got to like the dick pic first before I send you the link. <laughs> you got to like before you get a link, okay? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're out of here, man. This is going south again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you on the next episode everybody take care
That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving Patreon-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, be sure to share the episode by following us on social media on Facebook as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.